Hi, this is Jeff Coburn. We welcome you to this uh, episode of Disney at Play. Uh, this podcast is actually a second part of a conversation that David Zanola and I had uh, regarding the opening of Disney's uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Uh, we take on the question, how does this experience compare to Tokyo Disney Sea, in particular uh, Mysterious Island, uh, which many people consider to be a really great, great, perfect, thematic uh, attraction filled experience. And so we're going to uh, host that conversation here in this podcast. We might recommend that you take a look at our show notes page because in it you'll see that we've actually provided an overview video of both uh, Mysterious Island at uh, Tokyo Disney Sea and also an overview of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland. So take a look at those and be sure to uh, listen to our podcast and uh, we'll take it from there. So we've had an opportunity to talk to David about his experience at Galaxy's Edge uh, about three weeks after it opened just uh, prior to uh, the reservation period ending. David also has had an opportunity to visit the Asia parks. I just also got back from Asia. Um, uh, one of the things, David, that we have said in previous podcasts, and maybe we'll reference it in our, in our notes, which podcast to, to listen to, but we have said that really uh, Tokyo Disney, in particular Tokyo Disney Sea, uh, offers a, an attraction experience, a, a park experience, unlike any other out there. Now, uh, having said that, Galaxy's Edge has just opened, and um, and it's soon to open at Disney's Hollywood Studios. When I think, and, and agree or disagree with me, David, when I think about the land at Tokyo Disney Sea, that takes me, that, that captures my breath, that takes me, to a whole nother level. It would probably be Mysterious Island. Because once you walk into that caldera, which is fashioned after the great uh, volcano interior that you see in 20,000 leagues under the sea, you are truly immersed within this space. You can't see any other portion of the park. You can't see from say Mediterranean Harbor over to um, uh, to uh, the big city area, you you are truly in one land, and that land includes probably one of it's. A, I think it's on the top five of my list um, attractions out there, um, which um, journey to the center of the earth. It also includes another attraction which is not at the top of the list, but is a great attraction, is a joyable attraction. It's a different attraction, uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Not anything like the original at Walt Disney World, but still uh, an interesting attraction. I, I would say of any of the lands in Tokyo Disney Sea, this is probably the most immersive land of all of them. So, Compare for me, how do you think Galaxy's Edge compares to Mysterious Island at Tokyo Disney Sea? 
So I think that you you made a very important distinction that I don't know that we fully can answer that until Rise of the Resistance is open, but assuming that Rise of the Resistance is what they're selling it to be, which is one of the best attractions they've ever built, I think I would have to say it's a little close and it might be tied. I don't know if either is better. Mysterious Island, I love to just sit in there and stand in there. It's a place that my last night... Every time I go to Tokyo Disney Resort, my last night you is, exit in, that way. Is, in, is, is in Tokyo Disney Sea. I end with Sinbad, and <laughs> we and we walk out, and I just take my time because there's hardly anybody there, and but all the lights are still going, and the water's still you know erupting from the from the bottom of that lagoon, and I just kind of sit and again this sounds very cheesy, but I just kind of sit in awe of the fact that that is built inside of a theme park, and. I kind of got that feeling when I was in Galaxy's Edge. I did not think about anything else in that entire park the entire time I was in Galaxy's Edge. I was just there. I could not see anything else. Now, obviously, the sight lines might be a little different when it comes to Orlando. Uh, but their merchandise locations, the sound that just makes it feel like it's, uh, you know, the ambient sounds and everything around make it feel like you are just in this small little town um, you know, the, the, there's the noise of some ships taking off every now and again, like they're kind of coming in and out like traffic. And I, I would have to say it's pretty close again, hedging a bit because we don't know what rise of the resistance will be like, but I, I thought they did a fantastic job and I like Pandora quite a bit, even though I don't care for the avatar movies, but I think this pushes it up now again, I'm a star Wars fan. So I'm a little predisposed to like things connected mm -hmm. to star Wars. Uh, but I thought they did. I thought they did a fantastic job, and it's just, it's massive. It, didn't they say that it's the size of Cars Land, Toy Story Land, and something else combined, isn't it? I mean, it's pretty, yeah, it's it a is. lot bigger it, than you think. It, 14 acres covers much more than what you think, especially when several of those acres are taking up uh, ride uh, space areas that you don't even see until you are physically on the ride. I mean, it, it's right. like a two-acre, it seems like a two-acre space just... Uh, for Rise of the Resistance show building. Um, and that's a two-level uh, space in some portions. So, um, well, if you had a choice, I mean, you've been on probably, you said you've been on um, uh, uh, Millennium Falcon about seven times. Mm -hmm. And I would say that's about the number of times you've probably done 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Yeah. So if you had a choice of which one to go on right now, which one would you go on? Oh, I or, would go on Smugglers. I go yeah. on Smugglers. So I think RPG. I think Smugglers yeah. is already better than that attraction. Oh, absolutely. Did yep. you ever yep. dine? Did you ever dine in Volcania Restaurant? Oh, it's one of my favorite places to dine in. Do you? How does it compare yeah. to dining in uh, the Cantina or dining it in dining in um, a Docking Bay Seven? So. Um, we didn't actually get food in the cantina because they basically just had some bar food type stuff and, yeah. and we get, got in there at like 9 Snack in the morning nuts. so we didn't eat. There's a lot more energy, right? The experience in the cantina is, even though it's not the most Eisley cantina from, from the first Star Wars movie, it is meant to feel like that, right? The, you know, the music that's playing, everybody kind of just hustling and bustling around. It had the exact same energetic feel as the cantina from the movie, at least in my opinion. Um, but in terms of Docking Bay 7, which would be their their main quick service eatery location, 
uh, versus uh, Volcania. I think they're a little different because Volcania just has the food that's the normal food that you would get there where it's kind of neat to see the names that they're calling everything um, at Docking Bay 7 and the surroundings in Volcania are just you know the walls that you are kind of in along with that the the, the back wall in that restaurant in Tokyo Disney Sea is basically the power source for the entire island um, and it's neat to sit down there and feel like I'm actually in a volcano. But I like Docking Bay 7 more than I thought I would, looking around mm. and seeing that you're basically sitting inside of, you know, big uh, storage shipping containers that are kind of just open for you to be able to sit in. I don't think it's going to be able to handle all of the people that they're going to need it to handle. I think they're, it's going to be overwhelmed very, very quickly. Um, but if you had a probably... choice between Satuli Canteen and Docking Bay 7, which one would you do? Oh, i do Satuli Canteen. Yeah. Yeah, I, but but I but I've also had a lot. I've been in Satuli Canteen in Pandora more, and so I've had many more different of their of their menu options. I only got one thing at Docking Bay Seven because it was the end of the night, and I wanted to try it. So before I could make a, a, a real comparison, I'd have to try multiple things on the menu. But I've tried everything on the menu at Satuli Canteen, and I haven't been disappointed once. And so if I tried it more, I'd have a better comparison. But I thought the food was better in Satuli Canteen than the one thing I tried, but I also got a kid's meal and, you know, the standards are pretty low. The, um, the, I, I think where I was going with this, and I, I, I won't do a comparison of the two merchandise because there's really barely a kiosk um, at, at Mysterious Island for retail purposes in that land. Um, I, I think that Batu really does hold its own as a land. I think it exceeds probably just about any land that's been created um, mm. for a theme park. And Mysterious Island, I consider to be at the top of the, the charts uh, on many levels for just the massiveness of the mountain. And, you know, and, and probably that's why I use Mysterious Island because it is a mountain setting like, like Galaxy's Edge provides. Now, mind you, there's no way you could compare <laughs> uh, Tokyo Disney Sea as a whole to Disney's Hollywood Studios, it, it, it faults pretty pretty big. Uh, after that, uh, we could have compared it to Arabian uh, Harbor in the sense that you have that kind of feel and look of being wondering a little bit. But it's two open co- courtyards followed by, or tied together by some tight courtyards um, or tight alleyways in Arabian Harbor, I don't think the layout is really that good. And, other, and while I love Sinbad's uh, journey, and it is one of my top five, um, maybe even above Millennium, I doubt that it's going to rank above um, uh, what happens with Rise of the Resistance. So it, I, I, I think what I'm just trying to say is I'm using this as a comparative opportunity to say, I think particularly once we have added Rise of the Resistance, this mm-hmm. thing is going to be quite the home run uh, that oh, Disney yeah. has wanted it to be. And and that they really have done this about as good as could be. Another example might be Radiator Springs Racers. Again, I think that is a great land. I think uh, or Radiator Springs is a great land. Racers is a great ride. Right. Um, probably in my top list as well. But... Um, but at the same time, here you've got two great attractions and a much more immersive land experience. So, your thoughts? Well, and, and here's, again, here's where I think this is different. And I think that distinction that you make is important. Because 
if you're talking about themed areas in in theme parks, you basically we've mentioned between the two of us, we've mentioned four. We've mentioned Mysterious Island in Tokyo Disney Sea. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned I've mentioned the Harry Potter lands mm-hmm. at Universal. We've mentioned Pandora. Radiator Springs, Radiator Springs, and well, okay, and and Pandora mm-hmm. and um, and then here now Galaxy's Edge, right? Yeah. If you think of all those, they basically fall into two categories: either direct recreations of a of a cinematic world, which would be Harry Potter and Radiator Springs, or Recreate or building lands that are meant to be world building that could fit in a cinematic world but aren't directly from it. And if I were to have to prioritize all of those, Galaxy's Edge, uh, Mysterious Island, and then probably Pandora right underneath, and I think I prioritize those three because they are not direct representations of something and so everybody can enjoy them. Uh, I kind of equated it to somebody like, um, if you're a sports fan, you know, think about a sports franchise being in the off season, like in baseball, there's spring training, right? Galaxy's Edge is still kind of just in spring training, make no mistake. They're open, but with about half of the land not yeah. really being functional because of the ride, they're just finding their groove. And I think once that opens and that land becomes fully alive, I don't know that anybody's, I mean, you kept hearing when they announced Star Wars Edge, all Galaxy's Edge. All of the bloggers and podcasters and everybody kept using this phrase: "Will this be a Harry Potter killer?" And I, I, I never want to say that because they're two entirely different things. I think the more adequate description could be: "This is absolutely going to give Harry Potter a run for its money in terms of a land that delivers everything that Disney wants it to deliver." and delivers everything that guests want it to deliver, even though it's not perfect. It still has enough going well that it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, and so I, I, no, I, I was extremely impressed. I can't wait to go back, um, especially in normal operations, to see kind of how it handles crowds, because my one main concern is you so many more people coming to Orlando. Can the park with the same kind of footprint, and you and I talked about this briefly, can it handle the massive number of people that are going to go visit it? We were fortunate, both of us, that we visited in time where the crowds were very controlled with certain four-hour time frames. When it's just open season, once it opens up in Orlando, or even maybe we'll hear reports from Disneyland in the upcoming weeks, how does it handle crowds? How frustrated are people? Do lightsaber reservations really get sold out 30 minutes after the park opens? Does it take six hours? You know, How do all of these things happen? Yeah. But I think once they find once to find its groove, we have another podcast and revisit this in, you know, December of 2020 when it's been open for 18 months. I think at that point it's still going to be lively and you can still enjoy it, even for those people that say I've never seen a Star Wars movie in my life. I still think they can enjoy it. I, here's my going back to the Harry Potter comparison. Let me just finish out by saying this about that: if you compare Disneyland's Galaxy's Edge to Universal Hollywood's uh, efforts with Harry Potter, I think mm-hmm. Disneyland smashes it big time. When you yeah. move to Universal Florida and you've got not just Hogsmeade's Village, but you've got Diagon Alley and you've got a train connecting all of that, that's a pretty that's a pretty big sizable com- comparison. But what we forget is that Disney's one-two punch is adding a hotel on top of it. Yeah. And which I can't believe that there won't be a hotel tied to Harry Potter in, in due time. 
because I can't help but think that the success of that, there are fans out there. We know those fans out there in Star Wars who want to immerse themselves in a 24-7 cruise line kind of experience with Star Wars, and this is this provides that. Wouldn't be surprised if Universal wants to do something similar in time. But, but when you make those two comparisons, then it becomes uh, a bigger... Uh, a bigger comparison um, at the end of the day. So, so anyway, thanks so much, David. Appreciate you uh, taking the time to be with us and uh, look forward to uh, talking more about uh, our Disney experiences. We need to come back in, uh, soon and talk about Asia as a whole because I think we have a lot to talk about. Soren is just opening up this next month at uh, Tokyo Disney see and if you've seen some of the images for this attraction have you seen the the show building which is oh my gosh it's so above and beyond anything soren is here in the states so lots lots of fun things to talk about there so thanks so much appreciate you joining us today thanks for having me that concludes our podcast for today. We're pleased to have offered you probably the most complete coverage possible around Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. By the time this attraction opens in Florida, we will have offered more than a dozen podcasts on this new land. We think this addition to Disneyland and Disney's Hollywood Studios is huge to the Disney Park experience. Please check out the podcast, many of which are Disney at Work podcasts where we not just discuss Galaxy's Edge, but we make connections back to your own business organization. Know that we not only provide a show notes page for each podcast, as we mentioned earlier in the show, but you'll find links to other posts we have on Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and so much more. And while you're there, be sure to access Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, a complete guide. That guide includes unique interactive map detailing where everything is in this new land. Details showing food and beverage, shopping experiences and entertainment, a thorough look at Millennium Falcon, Smuggler's Run, a cue to exit outline of the new Rise of the Resistance attraction, insights to navigating your experience when you visit either at Disneyland or Disney's Hollywood Studios, overview of the new Star Wars Hotel coming to Disney's Hollywood Studios, and over a hundred photos, drawings, and videos showcasing this newest Disney experience. The guide is available when you subscribe to our Disney at Play and Disney at Work website. When you do, you'll uh, also be eligible for our drawing to win a free Rex droid. That drawing will take place on the day Galaxy's Edge opens at Disney's Hollywood Studios. So be sure to subscribe between now and then. If you like our podcast, please subscribe, like us, and share with others. Our Disney podcasts are uh, unique in that we not only provide content to fans who love Disney, but we also offer through Disney at Work smart ways you can apply these same ideas back to your workplace. Why not create a little Disney magic in your job? Let Disney at Work show you how. When you visit Disney at Work, you may also want to check out my newest book, Disney Leadership and You, which offers leadership insights from scores of individuals who have led Disney over the years. It complements 
my other sites, Performance Journeys and WorldClassBenchmarking.com, where I offer training and development solutions to companies big and small. You'll find access to all that and more when you visit DisneyAtWork.com. We're a young website, but we bring decades of insights from Disney. If you like the content we're bringing to you, please subscribe, like us, and share with others on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Please let others know so they can benefit as well. That concludes this podcast. Thanks for joining us. Whether it's work or play, remember, keep finding the magic. <laughs>